0: I got, I got a song for you. No, no, you did this at school. You did this at school. Do not do it again.
1: JB Vardy's having a party. Bring your vodka and your Charlie. Five minutes straight
0: outside of my room after Vardy scores on Arsenal.
2: Oh wow! And
0: he comes and he would do this almost every team when we lost during our bad years. He'd play a song. He'd play
2: a chant. He'd
0: right outside my room.
2: Take the jersey off, man. Take the jersey off right now, Josh.
1: What's going on, guys? Welcome to another episode of the Dear Homework Podcast. I'm your host, JD. Here with my co-stars, Jake and Vic. What's going on, boys? I'm
2: ready for this episode of Arsenal Fan TV, bro. (laughs) Let's get it. You
3: didn't watch the final two months of the season just in preparation for this.
1: (laughs) Yes. You know... Today's a special episode, not only because we're talking about the greatest club in London. We also have a special guest, probably one of Arsenal's biggest fans. He has some weird traditions and theories with this club. He's a good man. He's a good man. Warsaw, Indiana stand-up. Smitty, what's going on, bud?
0: Pleasure to be here. I've... Been waiting for this for a long time it's truly one of the highlights of my life so far
3: <laughs> wait first off can you tell Vic that you liked my Dan
0: Byrne is the Mason Plumley of, of, of soccer <laughs> oh yeah yeah Mason Plumley, Dan Byrne uh Mason Plumley is also one of Warsaw Indiana's finest exactly oh <laughs> on Wikipedia but grew up literally down the street from me what there you go the Plumleys grew, grew up down the street from me. They did. They were uh, big 6'11 guys and our high school basketball coach said, you're not fundamental enough for me. So they just
2: uh. took in the league. Wow. High so, school sports, to- that, that goes to show you. It does. It does.
1: See, Smitty has his Arsenal jersey on. I got my Arsenal jersey on. Vic is a Friday. He doesn't have his Arsenal jersey on. Um, you don't know... What the hell are you going to get from this club? It's so sporadic. When you think they're going to do the best they can, they just disappoint you and cause you so much stress that you might have a heart attack the next morning. <laughs> you're so pissed with the results they gave you the day before. And I know Vic and Smitty, you guys have been through it for pretty much your whole life being an Arsenal fan. But, yeah. you know, today today's a therapy session for you guys. Today is a time for you guys to vent. It's a safe you know. place. Yeah. Let, 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 let everything go.
2: I've got a question for Dom to, to kick this off. Did you think this was a successful season for us? Yes or no?
0: Very good question. Um, we're back in Europe. That's, that's a success. Uh, going into the season, first three games, I'm like – Jesus Christ, I, I can't watch a game sober. This is bad. This is terrible. <laughs> but the the phrase I used, just talking to Josh a little bit ago, uh, we bottled as overachievers. That sums up our season in a quick
2: few words. Ah, I like that. Yeah. That's well done. Bottled as overachievers. That's true. Yeah, that is true. Because I'm glad you said that because that's the dilemma I've been having. Because when the season started, I thought it would have been a miracle if you got sixth sixth place. Because the signings United made, obviously, Chelsea just won the Champions League. City, Liverpool. I was like, if you get sixth place, that would be a good season. Mm-hmm. But I believe I also believe in changing expectations based on performance. And to be in the position we were in with eight games left to go, and to not end up in that Champions League spot, it, it burns. And that's why I'm, like, a little confused. Like, is it a good season because we finished higher than I thought we would, or is it a bad season because for a while it looked like we had fourth-place shield and now we're just in the Europa League again?
0: I think the culture has changed with the players, with the fans. It, we haven't been unified in a long time since Wenger was around. But yeah. it was, it's, I don't know. It's it's impossible to describe in words, Um, but it's, I would say it's a success. We're back in Europe. We got Cronky Jr. actually showing up to games and talking to the people, talking to the fans. And now we got a little bit of cash, just a little bit to spend this. Just a little bit, yeah. But better than nothing. We got clear recruitment. We got youngsters, academy guys out the wazoo coming up through the club. So,
2: We are in a good spot because right now it feels like two things. We can't miss on academy prospects. And two, we don't miss on transfers. You combine those two things and all of a sudden you're in a really good spot. I just worry a little bit because now we don't have Champions League to dangle in front of the prospects we really want, like a Darwin Nunes, for example. Because I think if it came down to us, United, as a lot of people are saying it would, if we could have said, hey, we're a Champions League team, United or not, we could have maybe gotten someone of that talent. And now that we're just in, Euro- in the Europa League, I saw, I saw a link that said Gabriel Azuz is still wanting to come to Arsenal, even though it's the Europa League. So I'm hoping that goes through. But it just concerns me a little that, you know, our transfer targets, you know, now we're getting the second tier guys we were looking for instead of the first tier.
3: That brings up a question I wanted to ask. Everyone always says that. So is the main reason you guys want a Champions League for recruitment, right? Or is, I mean, like, obviously you want to be in the Champions League. Like, I understand that part. But it's like, yeah. When, when, whenever, whenever somebody brings up, like, oh, like, that, the, the biggest thing people are always like, oh, this sucks because we won't be able to recruit as much. I saw a guy's name is James, James Alcott, who I listen to on YouTube. He said that he, he came up with, like, this is like a theory or a hypothetical. He said it might actually be better for Arteta that he didn't make the Champions League. Because if they had made the Champions League and gotten bounced in the group stage because their team's not that good, then that could have actually been worse and led to him losing his job. Whereas now, like, he's in the Europa League, probably will get out the group, probably will go on a further run. And I also don't know about this whole, like, can we really dangle Champions League in front of these prospects' face? Because I think these guys are, like, they can read the room a little bit where it's like, yeah, you might be in Champions League this year, but you still got to make it again the year after that. And that... In my opinion, is going to be harder. Just the fact that I think Tottenham will be better next year. I think United can't get much worse next year. Ch- the only team I look at that could get worse is Chelsea. But there's rumors flying around about them and their new owners potentially wanting to spend money. So it's just like I don't know. Like, wh- what do you think about that theory where like it could be better for Arteta that they
2: didn't make the Champions League? Mm, I'll let I'll, Dom I'll take that take that on first.
0: I, I wanted us to make Champions League, of course. Um, you get that pull and recruitment. I'm tired. I was. I was. I told someone in uh, my sales class. I'm like, if they don't make it back to Champions League, I'm stop. I'm gonna stop paying for Paramount Plus because this is just <laughs> on my checkbook. <laughs> I can't do it. Oh, but I. I think it's better wearing your own. But in all honesty. um, because you, you put them in a Champions League group of death, hypothetically, you got young guys. I don't know who's coming in this summer. I can't confirm any of that. But if say you have the same team you do now. You're going to kill their confidence if they can't get it out of the group.
3: Yeah.
0: And that's going to direct affect how they perform in the prem. If, if you see them batter people on Thursday, I hate playing on Thursdays.
2: But on Thursdays I in Europe, I can- it.
0: It, it's going to give him confidence. And then maybe you can throw in some young guys, get them some minutes, say, Hey, we got a project. We've, we've got something for you. We got Thursday night football broadcasted worldwide. You're going to get first team minutes for Arsenal. Guys like Samuel Conga are going to get playing time. The academy guys like Aziz, Patino, yeah. Ballard, when he comes back, and yeah. even Flores, who's now a Mexican international. You're going to get guys shout like out, that.
2: Shout out, Mexico. Playing.
0: Yeah, no. Dol No. But that's besides the point. um but still it's
3: I think it's better. You guys didn't have the depth to be in Europe last year, which is why you guys could overachieve because you guys could just focus on the prem and then domestic I mean, competitions.
2: We, we we didn't really even have the depth to compete in the Premier League that's how that's how thin the squad yeah
3: that no that yeah that's that's actually that is true as
2: well because we were one untimely Bukai Saka injury away from finishing outside of Europa honestly because that man literally played every game for us and was instrumental in every game imagine he got hurt in like February just one injury just one bad tackle especially considering his playing style so the squad is thin the reason I kind of wanted us because I, I, I'm I a little bit on the opposite end to make the Champions League is you guys, we've all played football manager. There's a key reason you want to make the Champions League, and that's like the extra 80 to 100 million dollars you get just for where you finish that's in true. the league. Yeah, that's Champions true. League bonuses. All of a sudden, for a thin squad like Arsenal has that extra 80 to 100 million is the difference between we signed four guys in the jan- or in the summer transfer window to now we're signing six or seven. And that's a big, big for us. I think big in the Europa yeah. League, because I think Arsenal will be a competitive team. And by competitive, I mean like top four guaranteed within two years. But now it's only two years because we don't have the Champions League money to invest in the squad right now. So now it's going to take another two summer transfer windows to you know, make up the money. To maybe sign three top class guys this year, and then maybe sign another three next summer. And now in 2024, 2025, we're in a good spot. Whereas if he could have gotten that extra, you know, 100 million or so from making the Champions League, we could have potentially been saying, you know what, Arsenal pushed. We finished five points behind Chelsea in the league this year with a much more inferior squad, which means Arteza knows what he's doing, and now. We're able to say, hey, Arteta, what kind of players do you want us to sign this summer? Here's $200 million to go sign those type of players. Now we're back to kind of where we were at last summer where we're bargain hunting, which is good because, like I said before, we're kind of on a Liverpool-esque streak right now where we're hitting on every transfer we're making, obviously not to the extent of Liverpool, but I want to be the club that's not relying on hitting on bargains to be competitive. I want to be able to, like, you know, bring six selling guys in the transfer window and say, hey, these are six selling guys that are competing for the starting lineup and are going to make our squad much deeper. And without Champions League soccer, that's just not as realistic right now.
1: So on the basis of transfers for this upcoming season, who are your targets going in for next season? What is the What is what are the areas that Arsenal need to focus on?
0: Striker. First off, yeah. he Eddie and Ketia. good good for depth, signing a new deal. I'm happy with it, preserving value in case someone wants to come in later on. Midfielder, midfield's getting old. I know we just got Parts A, but he's old. He's getting
2: up there too, yeah. Awfully, I think he's 28 now. Yeah. He's injury prone. Yeah, it's only going to get worse with age. Yeah, and depth
0: in the back line. Outside backs, we need depth. We got a big welcome home, William Saliba. Finally, yes. you. welcome home, bud. Happy to have you. Um, but definitely outside backs. We need people that won't get hurt. I know Arteta's one guy. Aaron Hickey, Bologna, two-footed, play on either flank. That'd be That'd be golden in my book.
2: I think you made a lot of... We're, we see eye to eye in that. Because I think I was... Initially, when Josh first brought this up months ago, I was like, no. But I'm kind of in the Zivchenko, Zivchenko camp if we're able to sign someone like that. Same thing, two-footed. Can play on either flank in the midfield. Sometimes in the front line, like when he's with the Ukrainian national team, and he does a fair job there. Just having that kind of player in the squad is a massive benefit. Um, I also think something we could look out for next season is because I think William Saliba proved he could potentially come in to the squad and be the best center back. And I think Arteta kind of anticipated that a little bit. I, I don't want to, you know, make assumptions, but we did see Ben White start playing right back towards the end of the season. And I think in his mind, he's thinking potentially ahead of time. Hey, Saliba and Gabriel, you know, are probably my two best center backs next season can I still get Ben White's ball playing ability in the squad somehow? Maybe I'm playing in my right back. And that kind of adds to the depth because having Saliba back is absolutely like a new transfer. The only thing that concerns me, though, in our recruitment this summer is Gabriel Jesus seems like the guy they want to take up the striker mantle. And that concerns me because the big issue at Lacazette and Aubameyang last season was neither of them could finish. We were creating chances for them. They weren't scoring. Gabriel Jesus is literally not joking at all. According to XG, he's left like 20 goals on the table over the last like four seasons. That's not the kind of striker you want to sign for a team whose strikers aren't finishing. I don't need another guy to miss wide open chances in big games and big moments for us. So that's what concerns me. I love Gabriel Jesus and his pressing ability and what he brings to a team. But we don't have the luxury of City where they have you know, other midfielders that could score 20 to 30 goals a season. We need a striker that's going to score goals. And I don't know where we're going to find that kind of player right now. That's what concerns me.
0: For me, even if we do sign Jesus, it's, I think we could see uh, Firmino role for him. Mm. Like you see with Liverpool, like maybe, I think after this year, I, it's shown me that you, we can still compete and not have a world-class striker that scores every single goal for us. As long yeah. as have proper wingers with proper support and just link up play. Like Lacos at towards the end. He, he was so bad to watch. And even Eddie, Eddie worked on his holdup game, which I loved. Um, but we just need someone that can create chances. Yeah. We're not creating chances either for themselves or other people. Um, and if Jesus can do that, fits the bill. Maybe around Jesus, I'd be okay with Jonathan David, too, up top.
2: If, if we're up to you, what striker would you sign? Because I, I have my answer, but I want to hear what. Like, let's say in a perfect world where you could sign not anyone, obviously. You can't say Lewandowski or anything. But all the realistic targets, who would you want?
0: Realistic? I know for the past six, seven months, I've been telling Josh, I'd get Darwin Nunez. He was He was the guy... I guess he's going to make it big time. He was my number one. Also men's number two for me. Big, powerful guys that have pace, have a skill, get the job done week in, week out.
2: We're literally eye to eye on that. Because if I had to give a top three, Darwin Union is first for me. I saw enough just in the Champions League. The way he looked against Liverpool was like, there were 15, 20 minute moments in those games that I was like, Wait, is Darwin Nunez is the best player on the field right now. Against the Liverpool team that was competing for one of the greatest teams in history, and then Oshimun obviously because what he brings from from an athletic profile is something we don't have in the squad outside of Saka and I would say I would say Gabriel or has it a little bit too, or what's his name, Martinelli. Gabriel Martinelli has it a little bit too. But Oseman just brings a different dimension to it because I saw a stat earlier today that said Arsenal scored the fewest percentage of headers in, in the Premier, of their goals in the Premier League this season. Victor Oseman would be a 6'3", 6'4", striker, who's arguably still the fastest player on the field, who's really, really good in the air. Darwin Nunez, kind of in the same profile, very good in the air, great finisher. So those would be my top two. And then, because for me, the way I looked at Gabriel Zeus is he wouldn't bring anything we don't already have. He would just be a better version of Lacazette and Enketia, which is fine. That's good, too. But if he can be more dynamic, we have Nketia an, as a backup. But what if our starting striker was someone like Nunez or Osman with the size and the athleticism and the finishing ability? That would take us to a new level, I feel like.
1: Uh, so there is a, a player... That is rumored to return home, quote-unquote.
2: Oh, yes.
1: <laughs> How would you guys feel about Serge Gnabry coming back to the red side of London?
2: Wait, actually? Yeah, like, it, it's picking up steam because he looks like he's living Byron.
1: That That wouldn't be
0: the happiest day of my life. It could <laughs> be my wedding day in the future. Sorry, <laughs> that's, that's for me. I've been wanting him back for so long that would he's got that unique ability. They can play on the wing. He can play in the middle. He's produced at the top level champions league proven class German international. I Tony Pulis is going to be crying saying he wasn't good <laughs> enough when he comes back.
2: Oh my God. Do Serge Serge Narby would be a dream. He would be a dream because he would oh, fit yeah, the age profile huge. pretty well. Only thing that would concern me was would he theoretically slow down the development of, like, a because I don't think Bukai Saka is getting out of the team. But Gabriel Martinelli, for example, would receive less playing time. And he's getting to that age right now where he needs to be playing as often as possible. But like Dom said, too, we could play him right down the middle and he would do a fine job there, too. So I it would be, like... That would be a dream if you could get him to come back. And he seems like when he banged in four goals against Tottenham a few years back, hopped on Twitter right after and said, you did you know Chelsea London's too. red. It's yeah, so. red. Uh, and it's not a fraudulent, like, bring him back home like Chelsea does with Declan Rice. Oh, where he's uh, never played a go. senior game for him. And there they're like, go. bring him back home. Get the, get the hell out of here. He left at 15 and they're saying bring him back home.
3: Yeah, nice. I want I wonder why they say bring him back home. It's because Declan Rice twerks for Chelsea every single day on social media. <laughs> tell him to stop. Tell tell him to stop it then. What, 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 once all his agents on Twitter stop tweeting Chelsea to spend 150 million for him, then you can sell then you can say stop. All right. That's fair. That's fair.
1: So hypothetically, Nagri joins Arsenal. Jesus is another guy they bring in. There's no need for a a striker, right? You can just play Martinelli and and Jesus up top, and then whoever is hot, you just rotate, right?
2: I I think it buys you a lifeline for one more season before you go for that striker. I still think, just the way I think, I'd like to have a traditional striker in a team. I mean, you saw with City this year, they've been one of the most successful teams ever, and even they were like, Erling Howland's available. We need a traditional striker. Let's go get him. So I'm, I'm a fan of having a traditional striker in the team. So I think if he got Jesus and Ivory, it would buy us one more season to maybe, because Josh, I know something you always talk about is maybe playing Martinelli down the middle and, you know, learning to play striker. Maybe you get, get, get those two, buy yourself that lifeline to try him down the middle for a season and see if it's what you want. But I think the best it would do is buy you a lifeline. And then if Martinelli does work at striker, you keep him there if he doesn't you you go back in the window and trying to get someone
3: because I mean you mentioned the lifeline thing but it's like does the lifeline have to be Gabriel Jesus like could they're not I feel like every summer there's always these strikers that go for like free that are older like so there's no guy out there right now that like Arsenal could pick up is like just a like kind of when like you know like a Giroud type guy where you just pick up somebody like that who can just get you a few extra goals in the season to throw up there because I know you talk about not blocking players' development at Arsenal, and like that's great and all, but at the end of the day, a guy like that, I think, has helped a lot of teams in the past before.
0: I don't, I don't think there's any guys out there, me personally, right now, yeah, do that. Um, I just want whoever is going to be bought and put into the squad. I, I don't need that traditional striker. I don't need that. I need mm-hmm. football, and I need him to play. Any of the top three positions we have. And then once you're able to play fluid football with Saka and Martinelli up there in either a Smith row, they can interchange. They can switch wings. They can go in and out. One's not working. All right. You go there. You go there. I feel like there needs to be a certain level of fluidity within the team to find that success. Because Liverpool, I mean – Firmino's a good striker, but they found so much success with him and Origi up top, and I wouldn't call them world-class
2: right now. Wait, so, I've, I've, I've got a question for you, then. At his best, how many goals do you think Bukayo Saka would score in the Premier League season? At his best,
0: I want to say 17-18, and it's all dependent on who's playing around him.
2: 17-18, and then Smith Row, I want that. I want you to give that same answer for Smith Rowe and Martinelli.
0: Martinelli, I could see him getting 20 someday. Smith Row, I see him at 1415. 15. 14 15.
2: Okay. All right. Because that's what concerns me a little when not having a traditional striker is I, the teams who've done that well are City and Liverpool because they have. Mo Salah, Mario, or not Mario, um, Sin- uh, or Mane kind of talents. Bernardo Silva will get you a lot of goals. De Bruyne will get you a lot of goals. Riyad Mahrez, Sterling. I don't know if we have guys in the squad who can reach that level as goal scorers. Well, more, That's what more,
3: more importantly, it would be, rather than would you have the guys who can score the goals, it would be more important, like, City and Liverpool know that they can score the goals because they can create them. That's the more important part is, like, the fact that City and City Liverpool just create so many chances that they're bound to just score that many goals. Where it's like, you would be, in this situation, you would need Odegaard, Saka, Martinelli to, more importantly, be able to create that amount of goals rather than score them. Just scoring goals is kind of the second part.
2: And I think Saka and Odegaard have shown us their creators. Absolutely. The other two I'm not sure, so sure on yet, but that's just where my head is at. With wasn't a striker, but I think, Dom, you are you make a good point that if you can get a fluid enough front three with interchangeable guys, then why not go for that?
1: Well, you had Mo Elneny resign, and Ketia looks like he's going to resign. Who are the players you guys think are surplus players you should let them leave the door to something?
0: <laughs> uh, bye-bye, Laka. Bye-bye, Leno. Bye-bye, Pepe. Bye-bye, Bellerin. Bye-bye, Ainsley, Maitland, Niles. Bye-bye, Cedric. Thank you. Adios. Hasta la vista, baby.
3: Bellerin <laughs> doesn't want to come back, man. Just leave him in Batista. He wants to go
0: to, to, to Batista. I'm okay yeah. with that. I'm okay with that. Go do some shoots over in Spain. <laughs> go 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 do that. You can do that. I don't care. So
2: not El eh?
0: Wow, No. Good guy with character. You, yeah. you, need, you need squad guys. Uh, but yeah, he's, no, not, sure. he's kind of a James Milner type. Not not as good, not as much of a Swiss Army. You need guys like that in the squad to bring up the, the younger generation. You just need it. He's a servant to the club. It's been six years since he's been there. Longest tenured player besides Rob Holding. You need guys like that. Doesn't matter if he plays or if he's just a training room guy. Everyone loves him. So that's fair. Two cents.
2: I agree with that 100%. Because all I needed to know I want Moa Aloni staying at the club was that one clip last season where we're up one to zero against United, like last minute. He's played like the full 90 or close to it. And he chases down a ball for like 60, 70 yards to. To make sure United doesn't get a last opportunity to score. He's a passer, That's man. the kind of character you want on the team. Absolutely. And I think you know the list. Every single guy in that you listed, I was like, yes. Because we can't let too many guys go because we still need the the you know depth. But the guys you're suggesting leave are guys that are like either someone like Pepe, where I just don't see a way forward for him, which Bellerin falls into that, or on the, at the end of it, it's just like realistically, you've you you're done at the club. Lacazette, your profile right now, there was a meme that I, you know, made me laugh, felt bad for him. But it would be like Martinelli and Saka sprinting down the wing and Lacazette trying to keep up with them. And it's like an old man like struggling to make up the pace, and that's just the player he is right now. And if we're going to get a younger striker, Lacazette doesn't fit the age profile of what we're looking to do. And that's thin. Like, that's that's the other end of it you have to think about. Like, you brought up Jake, like, signing a, an older striker. Well, what you have to think is, does that striker fit the age profile of the team? Is he a 35-year-old man trying to fit in with a, with a lineup of 23-, 24-year-old kids? And I think, Dom, you, na- you nailed that list. Those are the guys I would say you're not really adding valuable depth to the club, and there's just no clear way forward for you at Arsenal. Was Rob Holding on the list? No, no. Rob Holden's a fucking legend, bro. Be respectful,
1: bro. You can't take out Rob Holding, F5, Brock Lesnar. That man Isn't, was suplex, suplex city every time he was. A, his instructions like a was centimeter. was
3: to try and get under Sun's skin, but by doing that, he just decided he like Arteta told him, hey. You got to get under sun skin, but he thought he meant literally.
2: It's football manager when you tell your team to get stuck in. Yeah. <laughs> That's exactly what that looked like. It was bad, uh, but I, I'm yeah, a I fan of Robo. That was his I first bad game all season.
1: Arteta got the instructions from his uh, assistant saying, uh, you should do hard <laughs> tackles on on him. <laughs> right. And he said, okay. And then he ends up getting a record. Yeah,
2: team this guy's crazy. putting in good crosses. We should mark <laughs> him tightly and put in hard tackles. <laughs> all right, thank you.
1: Nuno Tavares, what does the lad need to improve on for this upcoming season to salvage his future at Arsenal?
2: He excites me of what he could turn into, into, but I also don't know if he'll get there. And the key with him, it just boils down simply to decision-making. The technical stuff is there. The physical stuff is obviously there. It's just decision-making is there both defensively and offensively. Offensively, getting in situations where you can lay the ball off to the top of the box for Odegaard on his left foot to take a shot, and you're deciding to rip a shot with your weak foot as hard as you can against United when one more goal would seal the game. And then two, defensively, how do you let someone like Ilonga in that United game catch you out three, four times in a row on the same movement? It just all boils down to decision-making for me. And the reason that it excites me is because decision-making is something that comes with playing time at that level. You're not going to pick up decision-making from practices or from watching guys or, like, watching game film or whatever. No, decision-making comes from being in those moments. And like Dom said earlier, with the Europa League and other competitions, that allows golden opportunities for someone like him to play 90 minutes in low-state games where he can learn those decision-making habits he needs to progress to the next level because I'm happy with him technically I'm happy with him physically I just need him to make better decisions Dom who's your captain for next season mm, that's a good one uh, that is a good one um,
0: So can I pick captain and two vice captains yeah go ahead all right so captain next season none other than the kid Martin Odegaard Captain for Norway, he's – I remember watching him on loan, seeing seeing a video released by the club of him directing everyone around. When he's on loan, he's still yelling at everyone, trying to get everyone in position. He's Mikel's man. Him and Jaka are Mikel's men on the pitch, conducting every little instruction that they have. For me, Odegaard captain, Jaka vice captain. I don't care what he did. After that Crystal Palace game, telling everyone to get off his back. Arsenal fans are toxic. I'm not gonna lie. We're deluded and we're toxic. I'd like to say I'm realistic. <laughs> but I'd say then after that, I think it's either gotta be, I think it's gotta be Aaron Ramsdale. I think wow. he's gonna be vice captain. I think he's he's my favorite shithouser. In a long time, he's got that team. Gene.
3: Yeah, Winding
0: he's got that. up every single team. I remember I saw a video of him. He was uh, he was on the Fawzcast, I believe.
1: The coins against Lister.
0: Yeah, about that. <laughs> There's another interview. There's another interview he did after we scored on Chelsea. Sorry, J-Lo. We, we were beating Chelsea. Saka just put it in the back of the net. And then he started saying he started waving to some Chelsea fans. And <laughs> Stewart came up to him. He's like, why'd you do that? Why would you have to do that? Because he's in your face and he can't. He's a shithouser. He's Jamie Vardy in the back of the net, not to the same extent, not to the same extent, but he's getting there. I want him to be a vice captain, wind people up more, keep making incredible saves. So I, I like that. Jacka Ramsdale. That's my three.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, can we give Mr. Smitty a round of applause? Our first ever guest on the Dear Homer podcast. Wonderful
2: appearance, man. You, yes. you were fantastic, you're too. You're man. A well plus.
1: It, was a, it was a master class tonight. So a <laughs> master class.
2: Obviously, you're the first we've had, so saying you're the best guest doesn't mean much, but I don't see how someone could top what your performance tonight. So yeah, We're going to keep
3: power rankings on who we like. Yes,
2: <laughs> we will keep power rankings. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I appreciate it, guys. Thanks for having me on.
2: I can check this off the bucket list. We'll have you back on again at some point.
1: When when,
3: when we have Ben Foster on, it's going to be crazy that, like, you were the first guest on a podcast that has (laughs) the Cycling GK on
0: it. And I I gave him a plug, too.